0: Welcome to Art Unleashed with me, Jonathan Munro. It's been a while since the last episode, but I'll be adding more episodes in the coming months. The last six months have been a constant struggle for many in the arts. Some galleries have now started to open and thankfully some funding has been offered to keep museums and galleries open. If you are able to get out, go see exhibitions and think about supporting the local artists near you. As the autumn turns into winter, we are likely to have more restrictions placed in the art sector, so please do consider buying work from Artists Direct, from projects such as the Artist Support Pledge. Thank you for tuning in to this episode with the installation artist Maddie Boyd. Maddie's work is informed by her research into perception and attention. We talk about her large-scale work and working collaboratively with scientists to develop her multi-sensory installations. As I say every episode, it's important for you to go and check out each artist's work. So please do go look at Maddie's website and hopefully, COVID permitted, go and experience her installations sometime next year. If you like what I'm doing on the podcast, it really helps if you can like, share, and subscribe so future episodes are added directly into your podcast library. Okay, so without further ado, let's get into the interview. So yeah, welcome to the podcast and I'm really excited to have this chat with you and, and, and catch up. It's, uh, we don't often get time to talk these days. So uh, yeah, if you would just um, let us know what, what is it that you're about? What's your practice about? And uh, yeah, let the audience know.
1: Um, yeah, I'm an installation artist. I try to create sort of immersive experiences. So it should be a kind of a multi-sensory experience. Um, But my main main practice that I actually do is creating projected videos and combining those with some sort of a, a constructed or built environment. Um, normally on a very large scale. I like, I like to work as big as possible, really. So, uh, so the installation should be a, a sort of a walkthrough experience. Um, and yeah, and there's, there's always sort of multiple video projections, um, but not uh, very rarely projected onto flat surfaces. So the surface itself is very important. And that's, that's, that almost becomes, the surface becomes a sort of element in the film in a way so that the the projections are through kind of multiple transparent layers or um, uh, onto strings. Often I use quite a lot of uh, sort of uh, strings in my work, but where there's thousands and thousands of them in different formations, often grid formations, um, so so that the kind of the space that the film inhabits also becomes part of the work itself rather than it just being this sort of flat film, um, and that the you know even the shadow in between the object and the film becomes part of it, and, and so on. Um, and it's it's often abstract, although I'm uh, my more recent work is is getting less abstract actually.
0: So, so um, I think the first time I saw one of your ins- installations was Point of Perception, uh, and it's it has it's like a little uh, mirror room. Uh, So, although you walk into the space, uh, half the room is actually mirrored uh, with these threads and this light, which is projected on. So everything's moving around you in front of you. And uh, it's a very hypnotic and trippy experience. And it's very odd how the brain doesn't... uh, understand what it's seeing at first and in fact it takes the brain quite some time to catch up doesn't it um mm-hmm. is that was that intentional at the beginning or was that kind of just something you discovered as you were experimenting with this art form
1: it was something that was meant for that piece I mean I'd sort of been experimenting just kind of very very generally um in in my studio before I actually made that piece with uh, just projections and all kinds of surfaces so I was kind of you know, creating, creating these string sculptures and in different, different shapes and formations and getting larger and smaller and projecting onto them and projecting onto water and projecting onto, onto things that gradually broke. And I was sort of trying, I was just trying out all kinds of different things, just in this big sort of experimentation, um, a a sort of experimentation, just more about what sculpture could be, I suppose. Um, and then I start, but then I realised that it, exactly as you said, these things were very, were very hypnotic um, and sort of created almost a certain state in, in, in the audience's mind often. I mean, obviously not the same for everybody, but, but a lot of people found it very kind of, very calming, very hypnotic. They could see lots of things in it, a little bit like what you can see in a fire, sort of, you know, your imagination is kind of creating things. Um, and I really, really wanted to know why these sort of things were coming up. So I wanted to find out a lot more about perception. So I, I kind of realised then that in a way my subject was perception. And that's what I wanted to wanted to kind of work with, discover more about and actually bring into the work, um, which is why I then, uh, started my collab- my first collaboration with with neuroscientists and then so then we worked together um, to create the point of perception and the idea there was very much around sort of ideas of perception in the brain and to um, the idea was to find the sort of um, the, almost the tipping point where where the, in terms of visual information. Sort of a tipping point for visual information where there was uh, just enough information that, y- that you were interested, that the brain was, was, was still engaged and was, was trying to work it out what was going on, but not quite enough information for the brain to properly resolve it. That was the whole idea, so that it would be kept. That we wanted to keep people's brains on this on this tipping point, that would be the most interesting point where their where their brain couldn't rest and they were continually trying to resolve it, but couldn't quite. So that was, so yeah, so that, that was very much intentional. At that Point at the, at the point that we that I created, point of perception.
0: How do you go? There's, there's a lot to um, to unpack there as well. Um, so how do you go about working with a neuroscientist to start with and, and who were your <laughs> collaborators as well?
1: So my first uh, first two collaborators were um, Mark Lithgow, Professor Mark Lithgow and Bo Lotto, Dr. Bolotto, Lotto. Um, and they, they are both based at UCL. Um, I was actually put in touch with them through a friend initially um, and just sort of went to see them and explained my work and explained that I would be really interested in collaboration. And thankfully, they were both really open to the idea of collaboration because not all, not all scientists are, but, but many are and find it very interesting and, and so on. Um, and they were incredibly generous, actually. They, they both gave me... Um, spaces in their labs they were both able to give me sort of workspaces in their labs so i was able to a kind of view their work at a really close you know close at hand like i was there every day and, and <laughs> saw what they did and everything it was great um and yeah had had a lot of access to to them and their work and and it was but our collaboration was basically through um conversations you know we just had meetings and conversations and, and discuss things and um and that was generally great. I mean, it was sort of definitely at the beginning, I felt like we were coming from different places. <laughs> I mean, we were very, um, very much uh, all, all kind of looking for the same outcome in a way, which were, which was great artwork. Um, but, you know, I definitely found. I mean, I had to, I had to do a lot of reading, you know, I, to, to try and catch up, <laughs> to try and to try and kind of understand what they were talking about and and so on. Um, you know, uh, but it was, but yeah, it was a good collaboration.
0: The, the way you made that sound was it came together very easily, but I guess there's a long period at the, uh, at the start of a collaboration where you need to find a common language, I guess. So at least an understanding, mm. I mean, how do you go about basing yourself in a, a scientist lab to start with? So you, you take, a, you take your gallery space and you put it in an art, uh, in a scientist lab and then. You somehow make great things happen. It's it's a very yeah. interesting. Like, did you have funding for that? Did they have funding for that? How did it all yeah. come together?
1: Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we I got funding. Well, in fact, we wrote. We really we wrote an application together. So I can't claim, that, uh, yeah, um, no, all the all the glory for that. We really all wrote it together to the Wellcome Trust and got and got quite a sizable grant from the Wellcome Trust for that for that piece, um, which was of course great because um, mostly for me it meant I didn't I wasn't doing another job for for most of that period so I was that's you know why I was able to just go into the labs every day <laughs> um so I did a lot of work on it a lot of research um uh, and that was really good and in one in one of the labs I actually had my own room it was just you know it's quite a small room but they just had this sort of spare empty room which was fantastic and I just blacked it out so that I could do my my projecting in there and try out different ideas and things um and in, in another lab it was just the just a, um, a desk space. So that was more for sort of ideas and sketching and things. Um, and so, you know, so then occasionally they would sort of come into the space to have a look at what I was doing. Um, but yeah, it was mostly then through, through sort of, um, discussions. And we also managed to UCL had another building that was kind of available, um, and there was a few artists and we were each able to use it for a week or something, but quite a big space and we each had it for a week. So I we sort of also set up a little interim exhibition there. Um, so again, we were to, to sort of test out some ideas and, and the, so the scientists were able to come along and actually have a look at something set up, which of course was, was really useful because we'd otherwise been just looking at photographs or talking, you know, hypothetically and theoretically without, seeing anything so that was very very useful that was actually organized by somebody who used to work at UCL um and but and we also invited sort of other other people just other 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 scientists and other people that were around to come and have a look at the exhibition and and give their feedback as well um so that was all really 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 useful um and again it was just great but the, the, at that time there was just a f- you know, there was just kind of the space, and there was people who were able to organise this, so there was quite a lot of a, a little support network around it, which was just incredibly useful. Um, and I and I'm now working much more just by myself, and I must admit I kind of miss that little <laughs> that little support network, you know.
0: Just going back to uh, the uh, funding side of things in that case. So you mentioned the Welcome Trust, and I know they uh, have um, streams of funding for arts and science collaboration. Isn't that just is part of the um, kind of remit? Why is it important to you as an artist to work in this way specifically, uh, or why was it at that point in your in your career? what is it that attracted you to work collaboratively to start with? Cause obviously that's uh, not the easiest thing. And also the funding side of things is a minefield, isn't it? It is, it isn't an easy thing to undertake. You may have some money to do your projects and maybe that can keep you going, but it doesn't necessarily keep you going for that long. I mean, pro- yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm just interested to hear about the collaborative side and also kind of why work in this way. Why, um, uh, what's the challenge what's the kind of um, um, rewards of working in this way apart from the ones you just spoke about
1: um I think for me uh it it was really once I kind of decided that I was very interested in in perception so I was very interested in really the human brain and and you know and how it works and so on so, because I really wanted to I, I had a lot of why questions. <laughs> um, why are we seeing it like this? Why is it making us feel like this? Um, and uh, I suppose for me, I think I've, I think I've always been, uh, in a way, somebody who quite likes who quite likes facts and evidence and experiments, um, as opposed to just pure kind of ideas and philosophy. So for me, I wanted to try and get some more solid insight into why, rather than just a sort, you know, as I said, a more, more sort of philosophical kind of musing on why it might um, affect affect people in that way, or what you know, what I was doing. It just felt like there was, you know, a lot, a lot of actual knowledge and 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 so on about, say, the visual system. There's, all, there's obviously, of course, a lot we don't know about the brain. There's most that we don't know about the brain, but there are some things that we do know. And I wanted to explore that, and I wanted to know. Um, and obviously, doing research by yourself as a with as somebody with no science background can only take you so far. Um, and I just kind of, I, yeah, I just I just wanted to bounce ideas off. I guess off people who who really did know. I mean, that was their field. So they had, you know, they had much more. Of an insight into why people might sort of react in certain ways, why certain why why certain illusions work, and um and what the point of an illusion is, and and you know all of that kind of thing, which which was just relevant to 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 my work then particularly, um, but but still now. Um, so it was mostly about that, about a sort of knowledge exchange, I suppose. That's, that's mostly why, why I w- like to collaborate with scientists. Um, it, I think it's also partly because I, w- I, like to, you know, I like to read about these sort of theories in science and I like to let that inform the work. And so if I am going to let it inform the work, I do want to make sure that for the most part it's as accurate <laughs> as it can be. Um, so also, you know, collaborating with somebody who does have that background and has studied this for years um is is obviously going to ensure that it's a lot more accurate than than just, than just me having read a book <laughs> about <laughs> it and, and particularly because i you know i actually really wanted to set up experiments you know i want i wanted to try and sort of create some new knowledge out of this and and get an, you know do an actual experiment and again you know that's that's a skill that as a scientist you learn um, and i and I wanted to make sure it was you know it, it could be a, a sort of a, a true and um, accurate experiment rather than, again, just me doing something that wasn't really quite right. So
0: do you see, uh, uh, I mean, I know we're talking about a specific type of project that you are working on in the past, but do you see those projects as experiments then? Like your artwork is an experiment as in the same way, obviously as an artist, you experiment all the time in your studio and you try new mm. and different things and, uh, Amazing things come out of that, but you talk about it very differently. Like the actual artwork is an actual experiment with participants, whether uh, they're the, the, the audience members. Um, are quite, you actually put out questionnaires uh, and you ask them questions about their experiences and how they, what they thought, how they felt? Um, is that how you see your work as an experiment still now, or?
1: Well, definitely as both. I mean, I mean, and like I said, my more recent work is, is less scientific, actually, and less, and less um, experimental in that, w- in that way, if that's it. Um, so I de- definitely always saw it as both. And I definitely always saw the, the actual sort of physical piece um, <clears throat> as, as an artwork. And not, and not solely as an experiment. And I think right at the beginning, when I started that collaboration, I really thought, oh, it could definitely be both. You know, it, I I sort of described it as an experiment in the gallery, um, and I you know I really wanted to carry out actual proper scientific experiment in the gallery, and that that would be the artwork. What I discovered doing doing that piece and that and and subsequent pieces is that um, that's That is still, I mean, that is still something that I'm interested in and would, and would like to do, but actually there is quite a tension between, between sort of, you know, like I said, a sort of a proper scientific experiment that you could really get results from and, um, and, and an artwork where you're sort of, trying to create a visual or multi-sensory experience for somebody that actually often those two things can't be the same thing. (laughs) Um,
0: It sounds like like you've (laughs) tested that to its limits as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've really tried. I've really, really tried. (laughs) Because again, with the later piece, the digital forest, you know, uh, and we we did sort of separate off the two elements um, to some extent, but in the end I realized that sort of, trying to trying to create a a really sort of solid experiment where you can trust you can trust the results because you've really sort of um you know uh had a control and and sort of and cornered everything off to to make it into something that you could really point to as a solid experiment without any holes in it makes it very hard to then have your own sort of just artistic expression, which is based on, you know, your, your own desires and hunches and and feelings and, and all of that, that actually those two things don't go together properly. <laughs> and that in the end, you have to decide on one or the other or, or, or separate them off into, into different bits. And I, I or certainly I haven't actually been able to marry those two things up completely. <laughs> what 's interesting
0: um, obviously you 've talked about your, uh, a more recent project digital forest, and and like we can talk about that a bit more about what it actually is but i 'm just interested to hear um, for yourself uh, this idea of an artist is is an artist in itself and, and why we can't be also scientists. Like, do you see yourself as the artist or do you see yourself as multidisciplinary yourself? Because you've picked up a lot of things, I think, as well. Mm. Um, and I think it is labeling quite a lot. Or do you find it the same thing? Like being put as a label isn't, almost, isn't that helpful, especially when you have quite a, 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 a wide practice
1: yeah I mean I mean in the end yes I would definitely just see see myself as an artist um because you know that is my training and background and that's that is essentially what what I want to do and that was I suppose also what I discovered with the with the digital forest particularly creating that piece is I just had certain things that I wanted to to do with that piece you know things that I wanted to have in there um and that And that if that, that then when that tension did come with the science experiment, actually, what I really wanted was to just create the piece how I wanted it to be. And I think that's, I think in a way, that's the difference between the art and the science is the science, you have to follow the rules. And in art, you can actually do what you want. <laughs> and I want to do what I want. Um, <laughs> That's handy. Uh, so, yeah. So in the end, I have to say I am an artist and <laughs> not a scientist because that because I'm not actually really working as a scientist. I'm working with scientists and with science, but I'm not actually a scientist myself. And I haven't, you know, I haven't got the training. Like you said, I've picked stuff up, definitely, but I ha- I've never trained as a scientist. So I think it would be unfair of me to try and claim <laughs> to be a scientist
0: <laughs> you, you've outlined why uh, as an artist it's useful to work uh no sorry useful is maybe not uh, beneficial might be the best way of putting it uh to work with scientists and neuroscientists and a range of different professions but what do you think they are getting out of it are they that you discuss that
1: yeah i think um a, a little bit yeah um i think I think it's sort of just an interest really for them, the chance to be involved in something that's a bit different from, from what they're, you know, from, from just pure science, which is just sort of going to a laboratory, working with other scientists, writing things up, um, and so on, you know, it sort of broadens their own kind of horizons and, um, and yeah just just feed just feeds another interest for them i think having having discussions with an artist and being involved in the creation of a work and and you know seeing seeing the exhibition and so on um and i think there's yeah so i, I um possibly for some people it helps with their ideas as well as scientists
0: um, cuz i think there's um lots of science eureka moments come through great creativity, don't they? Like mm. uh, the, the, the creative mind is used in so many different ways. Uh, and it's not just artists that need a creative mind. It's literally everybody to to, to handle the challenges of life, whatever your profession is. Um, mm. I'm, I'm really science,
1: inter-
0: I think, yeah. I, Exactly. And I particularly feel that for science, where uh, you, you really do have to have a leap of creativity to reach Uh, a hypothesis or to kind of like go down a certain road Um, and it it takes a lot of the same type of experimentation that we might do in our studios as artists, scientists will be doing in a slightly different way, Uh, maybe more rigorous, shall we say, Uh, but it's still experimentation without a specific outcome in lots of cases, I think, isn't it? Which I do Mm. find very interesting.
1: Um, yeah, exactly. I think you're right. There's a big crossover. There's, and especially when you look at their um at their laboratories, I mean they look very similar to an after studio in many ways. <laughs> There's lots messy of, you mean.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lots yeah. of <laughs> yeah. My uh, uh my studio yeah. definitely looks like a laboratory more than a studio sometimes. So yeah. it goes the other way, <laughs> doesn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah there's a lot of crossover but you're right I think I think and I think that probably is part of the reason why a lot of scientists quite want to get involved in the arts is because they are naturally quite creative people because of you know otherwise they wouldn't be doing what they're doing and so some sometimes they want to sort of have another outlet for that creativity than their more rigorous sort of scientific careers.
0: So, um, currently you're, I can see you on the camera. So obviously we are on zoom right now. So Maddie is, yeah. uh, Maddie, you live in London, don't you? In, is it Richmond yeah.
1: just? Yeah. Yes.
0: In a uh, Southwest. So, yeah, exactly London. In
1: Southwest, yeah. In Southwest
0: London. Uh, and I am up North. Uh, I've, uh, yeah. I, yes, I'm now living in Manchester. So I did live in London. Uh, so, um, I can see behind you on the camera. This is your studio, isn't it? That we're looking at. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, you work from home now, don't you? You, you have, a so you went from the lab and you've moved around a little bit and now you have your studio at home. What's, what's it like working from home?
1: I really like it and it, and it fits in with, um, you know, with my lifestyle. Um, I mean, I think the downside is a little bit, what we were saying before is that I, uh, I, probably don't have a, a, a strong or at least a, a large support community around me. You know, it's sort of just just me in my studio. Um, and I so I think, the, you know, obviously the advantage of having a studio where you're then kind of with other artists and communicating to other artists, you're having that sort of, um, you, you know, you can feed off each other a lot. Um, so I don't have that so much. And I and I do miss that. Um, but in terms of sort of just efficiency and, and lifestyle, having my studio at home is great because I can just pop up here and, and do some work and then, and then go back to the other things I need to do and, and so on. So it's nice, it's very nice and easy. Um, and, uh, and obviously it's, it's, I don't have to worry about sort of rent or whether the rent might go up on my studio or anything like that, you know, it's just mine. So, <laughs> um, so, so overall very, very positive.
0: And um, obviously since uh, the lockdown in March and uh, April and now, the situation we seem to be back in right now in the UK is that we are possibly close to another sort of lockdown. It's a bit Mm. uh, possible. It must have been really nice to have a studio already set up and ready to go uh, and carry on just doing what you always do, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's the other thing. Yes, I sort of, yeah, I I didn't have to leave anywhere and not come to it or anything you know I, could, I had access to it all the time obviously because it's part of my house.
0: How did it how <laughs> did it work? Uh, did you manage to do much work over, over the lockdown and since? Um,
1: not loads no not very much um, but that's mostly because I've got a young child, a uh, school-aged child so um, so of course during lockdown I was mostly doing homeschooling. <laughs> um,
0: how did you find that? Yeah.
1: Um, uh, most of the time okay. Not 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 terrible, and some of the time, <laughs> pretty difficult. <laughs> trying to get a young child to do things that they don't want to do is 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 definitely quite difficult. Yeah, when it's day in day out, day out, I definitely, um, you know, began to respect her teachers even more than I had previously.
0: <laughs> I think we should definitely uh, pay teachers a lot more for what they do because it is imagine yeah. that times thirty. Uh, yes, or in exactly. some cases, it's, yeah. it's mind-boggling that teachers aren't um, respected in society more. Hopefully, maybe that. Yeah, I think change. I
1: think after this, they probably will be because I think now that so many millions of parents have tried teaching, they realize actually how difficult it is and what a skilled job it is as well. It's, it's one. It is way more skilled than you <laughs> than you maybe think.
0: <laughs> one thing I would probably say is that. Um, children do play up a lot with their parents uh, more yes, than they more do with than, their teachers. So yes. that's, there's a reason why yeah. parents aren't really allowed to go into schools very often because
1: yes, yeah. it just
0: disrupts <laughs> everything. Uh,
1: yeah, exactly. It doesn't work. So um, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so consequently I did get some work done, but not, but not very much. Uh, I had, I had definitely a, a, a long, long breaks in between being able to come up to the studio, which was a bit frustrating. But. Um, so I'm fingers crossed that that doesn't happen again.
0: I'm interested in attention research uh, that you bring up in your Digital Forest uh, explanation of what the project's about. Uh, would you mind explaining what that is and uh, kind of a little bit more about Digital Forest as well?
1: Yeah, um, well, the, I became interested in attention quite a few years ago, um, really as part of my reading on perception. Um, And attention is obviously, you know, literally what we're attending to at that point. And and I just became very interested, um, you know, in in the idea that essentially if you're not attending to something, you can't hear it or see it or whatever, you know. So it's not just you sort of think that if if your eyes, for example, are physically looking at something, then you will see it. But you don't unless you're attending to it, (laughs) which is what the brain (laughs) does. So it <laughs> I,
0: I, yeah, I constantly stare into the middle distance, thinking I'm actually yeah. doing something when I when I'm really not. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the so you know and so you know I just thought that was really interesting. You know, the, I mean, you, it's a, it's a term, attention blindness. Um, you know that you literally just don't don't see something if you're not attending to it. So I became very interested in that because I thought, well, that's obviously such a massive part of perception, which I was interested in. Um, and then, as I said, I got very interested in sort of multi-sensory attention because again, all the sensors, so, so you you know, your sight and, and hearing and touch and, and everything, um, all comes together in, in your attention. Um, and that, and that one will affect the other as well. So again, I thought, well, you know, for somebody making multi-sensory immersive environments. That is, I just felt that was something I should know about and, and was very interesting to me how, you know, how I could, might create something visually, but then, um, you know, if I, if I changed the sort, of the, um, the sort of touch landscape in the, in the installation, how that, I, I just thought, well, that's going to dramatically then change how it's perceived. And, and, and obviously, I mean, we all know about um, sound and music changing changing the visual landscape, how changing, how you perceive the visual landscape. Um, but I, but actually, I think there's other things that I think touch is quite important and, and, and not nearly as well sort of explored or, or so on. And I think, I think often that gets neglected quite often. If I go to an audio visual thing, the, the, the other sensors in the space have been totally ignored. Um, But I think that they actually make quite a big difference to your overall experience and that they should be taken into consideration. They're a lot harder to control and manage often, um, which is why I think they're often just neglected. But for me, I I really wanted to try and work with that and try and, you know, see what you could do with that and how you could sculpt people's experience through all the senses. Maybe not taste, (laughs) actually, but... um, but
0: other center. So I'm trying to wrap my head around this. Uh, so uh, maybe I just don't get it. But I yes, maybe it's just me. But it, w- when you say, for example, uh, touch in this, uh, what what do you mean exactly? Like uh, why? Uh, f- could you at least start with explaining what digital forest actually is? Uh, like what you would experience and see and hear and do you touch anything in it?
1: Well, you kind of can. And I mean, this was one of the, this is one of the things that I'm really still working on because this, this is an aspect of it that just, I didn't quite manage to uh, get right really, or, or or sort of get to a point that I really wanted to with, with when we exhibited Digital Forest. Um, but, my as I said my idea was uh, I mean say for example if you go into a cinema or something um I would for me and this and this is really kind of a personal theory I've read little bits about this but it's uh more kind of my own thoughts is that I would have thought that you know whether you're standing sitting what you're sitting on and so on the the angle that you are what you can feel can you feel a, a soft seat can you you know are you on a hard bench whatever all of these things would actually have an influence on how on your on your total experience so it could affect your visual you know could actually affect your visual experience and so on and that's what i mean is i don't think often that that side of it has been taken into consideration so in digital forest i wanted to take that into consideration um and and allow people so a lot of the a lot of it was created a lot of the the Big structures were created using fabric, so it was it was meant to be quite a soft, t- soft, touchable sort of environment. Um, th- you know that you could touch and 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 also sort of like the may- maybe you know s- special flooring to be and, and t- to have um, that sort of experience on you know under your feet, um, and that all of that would make a difference in practice. Um, that all became quite tricky, <laughs> um, partly, partly budget wise, just because it was such a, it was such a large area. So actually then putting things on the floor became incredibly expensive. And also of course it's tricky because of health and safety because the space was very dark. So we had to be very careful. So in the end we didn't put anything on the floor because I didn't want to, um, uh, you know, cause a health and safety problem particularly for wheelchair users and so on so in the end we didn't do that but that was the kind of thing i'd really wanted to do and then these and the sort of the soft landscape um again of course the the elements that I'd used were actually very fragile, so people did touch them, but then that also destroyed it <laughs> to a certain extent. So, uh, so again, there was a sort of tension between me wanting them to touch it and not wanting them to touch it because when they touched it, it degraded. Um, but so that's some, but anyway, so that's just really something for me to work on is that I would like it to be much more a, a touchable, a tactile experience. Um But trying to find that you know obviously we had thousands and thousands of people through the exhibition, so you know that 's the trouble is that you 've got to you 've got to work through it on a practical level you 've got to um, make it so that people can touch it well thousands of people can touch it it 's not just one person um and that it 's not affected adversely because you can 't necessarily go in there and fix it every day so um so yeah so that 's definitely something that 's still important to me, but something that i 'm uh, working on that's not it, I haven't
0: resolved it it reminds me of um uh, Robert Morris' uh work uh, there was a, a remaking of it the Tate a few years ago the body space motion things um where they created like um like a adult's playground essentially uh, it wasn't soft, it was hard, uh, mm-hmm. but it, it was uh, things that you could pull yourself up and move your body and, uh, and the flooring you could stand on and it would tilt and multiple people could get mm-hmm. on it. Um, I always think back to that work when I think of multi, uh, multi-sensory multi installations. I think uh, originally it was, uh, I think he, I'm guessing the sixties, I don't have the exact date in front of me, uh, but no, in I that exactly. you do, do you know the piece i mean
1: um i haven't uh i haven't actually experienced it myself no i didn't didn't experience it but it's but very have, but there's other things um I, there's other things uh, i'm just trying to think uh, that, that i've that i've been to where a similar sort of experience where particularly the tilting actually where you were sort of tilt. it was an out- outdoor piece a uh, famous artist but i can't remember the name of them um an outdoor piece where you were tilted back on a on a huge sort of wooden bed almost just to look up at the sky and it was incredible w- what i thought was you know my sort of um feeling about it and my my feeling and perception of the sky was so different having been tilted back on this thing and lying back from how you know from me just looking up at the sky when I, as i'm walking along it was a totally different experience Well, that that brings
0: me to to a specific question. Then, so for you, uh, these spaces are built environments indoors. uh, You control the light levels, projections, the physicalities, everything in the space. Um, uh, Is it something? Why is it that you want to recreate? These, maybe not recreates the wrong word sorry but why is it that you want to develop these projects in this way rather than using other elements such as an outdoor space the natural skies it is and work with it in a very different way what is it about the indoor space why is it that you want to control all those different elements and bring in multi, multiple different parts to it as well
1: yeah that's um that that's that is an interesting question and 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 actually yes because i sorry i didn't really explain digital forest just for, um, it's uh, it, it, the idea of it. So this sort of answers the question. The idea of it was to um, create a space which uh, had the essence of a forest. So it wasn't meant to kind of, it wasn't meant to look like a forest at all. Um, it was meant to recreate the sort of the essence and the feeling of the forest and particularly recreate the effect Uh, uh, that a forest has on your attention or that green spaces have on your attention so that was what we were going for was to try and find out the elements that creative create this there is a sort of a well-known study um by Kaplan um about about these particular um effect of the green spaces have on your attention which is called soft fascination and it sort of relaxes your attention which means that you're actually better able to focus after going through these green spaces rather than an urban space so the idea was to create a space that had that effect um but not not mimic it um and, and that's the that's the connection to attention so so I created the space and it was a very, very large space and it had sort of, it, it did end up having kind of three in a way, slightly separate elements. One was a canopy area sort of where you looked up above your head and there were projections again onto onto multiple layers of fabric. Um, and uh, um, one was a sort of a glade area where there was lots and lots of tiny pieces of projection fabric, almost like leaves on a tree and then um, video being filtered through through that. Um, and, um, and then one was a sort of a rain area. So you would sort of go through and then, and then this sort of rain would start, but not obviously not physical water. It was all, it was all done through projected video. Um, and that again was onto, onto multiple layers, different, different, multiple layers, different strings and, and gauzes and so on to create a space, which again, you couldn't see the limits of you really, you know, it was very difficult to understand what the, what the size of it was and so on, um, and it was all very dark, which of course it has to be with projection. Um, so you're right, why not, in a way, just just take people outside, <laughs> because they've got all these elements, and to some extent I had to uh, um, not think about the fact that I was almost trying to compete with the outside, you know, because in a way, you know, if you walk through a real forest, I mean, they're just so amazing. They're so magnificent and there's so many, you know, the multi-century experience you have walking through a forest is, is incredible. And in some ways I just had to say, well, I'm not trying to recreate that necessarily because I can't, it's, you know, it, it's, that, that's just an incredible experience of its own. um, but I wanted to sort of yeah try and capture the essence of it and and recreate that um wider inside and so on. I think it is just because um, i as you said, I wanted to control all those elements, <laughs> so I wanted to create the show, you know, and I think for me, the only way I could do that is to start with with an empty box, you know start with an empty space and then keep on adding elements and also i mean on a practical level for me using projection as my main material, obviously this it needs a dark space. Um, so of course, a, an indoor space is much more, much easier to control in that sense. Whereas an, an outdoor space, obviously you've got to wait for various times and, and so on. Um, so yeah, so it was sort of, it was really about control, about wanting to sort of, um, about wanting to create this myself. Rather than necessarily just showing people what's already out there, which is a perfectly valid thing to do um, but it's just a different approach and my approach was to try and create to, to try and create something myself that could have some of the same impact as as the outdoor spaces so before
0: you talked about um, the outcome like kind of uh, what was the outcome of this? Did you get feedback from the audience?
1: Um, yes, yeah, we did. Uh, we got we got just sort of um, you know just just comments, which which was incredible. I mean, we got some, we got some we 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 gathered thousands of comments, and we got some really fantastic comments. Um, so that was great and was really pleasing. Lots of people had come back again and again and enjoyed it, um, which is really great. And we did also do an experiment a psychology experiment to try and where where basically people spent sort of 10 minutes in my forest and then uh, and sorry before that they'd taken an attention test to see to see what their level of concentration was then they spent 10 minutes in the in the forest and then did the same concentration test again which was what they had done in the original experiment from the 1980s where they'd where people had gone through a real forest, done these tests, or gone through an urban space and done these tests before and after. And the people who'd gone through the green space had markedly um, high levels of concentration afterwards. Um, Obviously for us, one difficulty was uh, what we would have as the urban space was very difficult for us because, of course, just taking people around a normal urban space isn't really quite the opposite of a you know a, a, a digital forest space <laughs> that's they're not they're not quite uh, comparable so that was one issue um, but um so we did so we just did it with the forest space but what we found although we did get a lot of participants um we there was no marked increase basically in concentration it didn't really show uh, there was there wasn't wasn't a decrease there wasn't really an increase it just didn't really show results either way um, which was a bit disappointing, <laughs> um, yeah after all that, so that was our sort of two levels of feedback and it, so in a way the the um, you know the the verbal and and written feedback gave us a lot more insight into how people had experienced it than the psychology test um, but of course it's very difficult to then analyze that.
0: So will you be uh, re remaking this project? And and if so, will there be any changes to it to kind of reflect that and kind of enhance maybe or or, or kind of um, try again?
1: Yeah, basically, yes. I'm hoping to, to reshow it. Um, I'm sort of in discussion um, to hopefully reshow it either next year or the year after. Um, and I think we will do um, experiments again and um, that my my collaborator there was was polly dalton and um and she'll hopefully carry on collaborating. um but I think we will have to redesign the experiments to some extent we I think we're going to have to um, look at look at our sort of data collection and 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 redesign that because because we've basically already done it once and it didn't didn't give us sort of anything either way to work with, so that needs to be redesigned. And I think some of the physical elements, having done it once, I, uh, some of the physical elements of it, I would like to change, actually.
0: Yeah. Um, I was just thinking back to, you mentioned the, the flooring idea you initially wanted to do. And you made me think of those children playground, uh, the ones with the squishy tarmac. Yeah. Uh, every time... Uh, whenever I've walked on one of those, it's always that first step's a bit of a surprise because you're expecting yes. to like and it's squishy. And the way the brain then deals with that is, is I find very interesting. Um, so I'd love to, I'd love to experience your piece, uh, maybe an, an enhanced version of that where your your feet literally get sucked mm. into the material. Uh, yeah would be really interesting
1: I think it would be great and I do think it would make such a difference you know it's like if you've ever walked along a sprung floor like in a, in a proper gymnasium or something and they've got a really really sprung floor and it is just amazing you sort of bounce along and, and it does um, it does does make you feel in a certain way
0: So I've been um, experimenting with, I I do lots of running. I've been experimenting with uh, my footwear a lot and where I went from very thick shoes uh, to no thickness whatsoever. So there's basically the minimalist material in between the the contact with the floor and my feet. And, uh, And everything I wear now is minimal shoes for that exact reason. And my experience of just walking to the shops is... Uh, widely different uh, just from that alone. I, and I would definitely recommend anyone to try this. Uh, maybe not running because that's quite hard to run uh, unless you're used mm-hmm. to it without the squishy foam in your heels because um, your body's very yeah. used to it if, you, if you've not done that before. But um, yeah, just the sensory feedback you get through like walking to a forest. Uh, mm-hmm. You have the added feedback from your, your up from the ground so you have the visual input, the smells, the sounds, mm-hmm. uh, and even if you can't touch it with your hands for whatever reason, you can still feel the floor, and your body responds. You're less likely to roll your 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 ankles. Um, so thinking about, I was thinking about all these things when you were talking. So I was I was wondering, would you maybe encourage people to take their shoes off, for example, and and walk around a space, or um, augment their their senses in different ways?
1: Yeah, I I do. I think that would be really nice. I'd quite like uh, again I would if I redid it I would quite like to try and sort out the the flooring issue a bit more and to encourage people to take their shoes off. Again on a practical level that's got all these slight difficulties, you know, <laughs> where to put the shoes and, and so on. Um but ideally I think yes, I would I would like that. Um because I I think I think all these things Do make a big difference Uh, and of course and and of course the audio in the you know auditory sense but of course there was there was um sound in the digital forest as well what what was sensory um it was created by um parry who i often collaborate with um uh he's he's a composer and sound artist and um and it was really a sort of um it was quite a naturalized sound so we didn't in in the rain sequence there was there was a bit that um that was very melodic or almost musical sort of when the raindrops came. Um, but the rest of it was was sort of things like, you know, like the wind rustling in, in leaves, um, which actually wasn't. I mean, it ha- we didn't record that. He created that in the studio. Um, Um, but then we had 54 speakers I think all suspended from the ceiling which was really good I mean partly because it was such a big space but we were able to then let the sound sort of travel from one side of the room to the other in the way that a that a um, that might happen in a in a forest place Um, so we were really able to sort of play around with the sound which was great and also have things like you know we had some speakers on the ground so we had sort of because I wanted to try and recreate that sort of cracking sound often so you, as you as you're walking through a forest and things are either falling down or you're walking on things so we had these kind of low down low down sounds of of things and then high up sounds and and so on so that was that was all obviously a big part of the sensory experience
0: would you explore the smell side of i things thought about
1: well? it in the end i didn't um because of course i mean yeah things you know, obviously taste and smell are obviously the hardest sounds to explore um, as an artist. Or I suppose smell isn't so much, but it was how to do it. So I did think about bringing in kind of fresh foliage <laughs> to create a smell like you know, a bit of a pine tree or something. Um, and then I, I didn't because I thought actually it might jar with the rest of it, because like I said, the rest of it wasn't trying to look like a forest you know, it, it didn't look like a forest at all. As you went in there, it was very, all very abstract. Um, so then I thought in a way, having a real smell in there might, um, might not actually be appropriate, but of course, you know, then but the, the the other side of that is that then you don't have any smell in there. So it just, it just smells like a normal room on use or you smell the heat of the equipment or something which takes in a way takes away from the idea of the forest so again that's another thing that's not quite quite resolved really
0: uh, it it makes me think of uh, butterfly houses when you walk through those um, they're like those plastic refrigerated curtains aren't they where you go in and then the heat and the the moisture hits you and the smells that comes with that as well it's so powerful
1: yes so. and it 's just difficult because, as an artist in a way your your only options for smell are either bringing in actual natural things which you can do you know, but like I said, that sort of doesn 't necessarily go with if you're if you 're creating a an artificial and um, abstract environment then it that, that doesn 't necessarily marry up um, or you kind of you know pump smells in you know like perfumes and things and and I also didn 't really want to go down that route so um so yeah it's quite you know i think that's something that's quite hard in an installation really or maybe i haven't figured it out yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so um what's next what what are you working on and uh, do you have any projects uh, being displayed soon well obviously yeah. covid yes exactly i
1: had <laughs> I had a couple of things cancelled because of covid um and they've not been sort of reinstated yet so so i don't have anything um sort of that's going to be displayed anytime soon but i'm working on a new project um so hopefully at some point (laughs) that might get displayed um and the new project is much more um it's in a way it's more of a pure art thing this this is this is not a collaboration with scientists it's not a collaboration with anybody actually Um, and it's it's but it sort of came out of the forest um, because with the forest, because I was working in a way, I saw the forest as landscape art because, uh, you know, cause I was trying to rec- recreate the essence of a forest. Um, and, you know, and I spent a lot of time sort of researching kind of, you know, green spaces and how they're depicted and thought of and, and, and so on, um, and how they've been presented and so it made me think about landscape art. So I decided actually to do a project um, that was just much more related to the history of landscape art, basically. So I'm sort of trying to create a, again, a digital projection installation. Um, And, but it's, but it's, it's, so it's, it's about the environment. It's, it's about, um, it's about our sort of, you know, our relationship with the environment at the moment in this, obviously difficult time of climate crisis and um you know the, the environment is a very sort of emotive and problematic issue obviously at the moment for for a lot of people um and sort of relating that uh that relationship to the history of of environment art and landscape art and and just sort of so just seeing what what will come out of that so i've basically done a lot of research on that so far and quite a lot of experimentation um but i haven't come up with a final piece yet because i suppose it's it's obviously it's quite a broad topic (laughs) that i've set myself there so uh so i've not (laughs) also not come up with a with a final piece yet but that's what i'm working on
0: it's really hard to plan anything isn't Mm. it and uh, just, just. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with the galleries, and some of them are going to probably not be around by the end of all this. Because I can't see how they can survive without um, government funding and all those other required things. Uh, so, if you do have a gallery close by, please do think about visiting safely. Uh, I think that'd be. Uh, there are some galleries starting to open out. Have you been to any galleries recently? Mm-hmm. Have you managed to get to any?
1: well i went to the state uh about a month ago so um uh yeah to go to go and see something there um uh but yeah so I, haven't, I haven't really been to sort of smaller galleries um i'm afraid just because of the because you also the have to
0: book and things don't you and it's not always that easy to uh, and it doesn't fit your time frames what's available um, i found that a problem as well um you used to just in the mm. Uh, before covid times you could just go to the gallery and especially in london there's such there's so many to visit and most of them are uh, free, free to at least see their free exhibitions and uh main exhibitions and things like that so um, yes it's it's just hit everyone in the theatres as well and
1: sorry no i was just going to say as 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 you said, it does then make it quite hard working in this you know i'm sort of working away in the studio and sort of creating this installation but wondering whether I should be you know, wondering whether actually I should be creating something for online, but I never find that that easy, actually. Um, you know, whether, whether, whether it's silly for me at this time to create an installation. Um, so, yeah, it, it make, makes it harder to work, certainly. And I keep thinking I should be exploring more other Different
0: avenues one of the things um, i've found uh, uh, recently really rewarding and, and doing these interviews is one of them, but also um, doing artist talks online or um, festivals and a lot all the arts festivals have gone online now, and to be honest i 'm probably uh, more involved now online than I was maybe before just because of literal time of getting to places around other work and things like that so um, there are some advantages I guess that's how I'm seeing it right now is a, a kind of building up work and then when all this is over we can just kind of put loads of new projects out there um, that's what I'm hoping right now anyway
1: mm. yeah exactly and I, I mean I might explore the online a little bit more it's just obviously as you know as we've discussed my my concerns are things like um, multi-sensory immersion <laughs> you know and that's very hard to do online I mean I've sort of been been working again with, with a, a little bit with my with my partner about uh you know trying to create a virtual trying to turn our installations into virtual online experiences but I just don't find it very satisfying myself you know because and it's probably because of all the things we we're talking about like the, the smell and the touch and and the physicality of walking around something you know so I don't find it satisfying but uh yeah I Possibly it's something I need to
0: explore more. It, it would be interesting if you could get a group of people uh, in our homes with projectors to all at the same time kind of create the uh, the immersion. Like when the lights are off and it's dark outside, put the projector on with the piece you've design, designed, maybe with the sound. It'd be really interesting to see how that would work, uh, just kind of a replaying. I suppose you'd need someone who was willing as well, which I am. So if you ever yeah, think yeah. it's interesting, I'd be willing to help. Yeah, uh, but it'd be really interesting to 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 kind of experience the work in this situation, though, as well. And I know you can't do the whole gamut, because obviously you can't build the installation mm-hmm. with all the physical pieces, but maybe there is room. I don't know. It's a, I think it's interesting to try at least. And it's about dialogue as much as anything, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and I mean, you know, we, we've we've been exploring doing it for for 3D goggles, um, and obviously, in then it's quite good. It doesn't have to be dark outside, and whatever you just put on your goggles, and you've got the experience. Um, but obviously, you've got to have the goggles. That's the that's the that's the main downside is that you, you, it's then only available to people who are able to have access to the to the to the 3D goggles. Um, but uh, but still, maybe that's better than.
0: well i hope uh well i hope you uh do find an avenue to go down at these times as well Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to catch up and hear more about your projects Uh, and uh yeah i hope i get to visit your work soon
1: yes great that would be really good
0: well thank you very much and uh, we'll see you next time goodbye
1: bye